Turn with me, if you would, to uh, Mark 11, verse 12. I think that you're really going to be blessed by this, this word. I promise not to be as long as Barrett. <laughs> Unless the Holy Spirit directs me to do otherwise. So that's always my out is I can use that. Mark 11 and verse 12, this is right after, uh, or right before, excuse me, um, where he says, have faith in God and have the God kind of faith. Anybody ever felt like you have been in a drought? And tonight we're talking about uh, a harvest in famine. You ever felt like your life was in a famine? Uh, your life is in a drought. Maybe your finances have been in a drought before. That thing keeps, I'm, I'm like, why is there a basketball hoop over my left shoulder? And uh, uh, didn't the decorations look awesome today? They did so good. It blessed me. I, I didn't know what they had planned. I walked out and I saw all the balloons and the stuff out there and the photo booth and everything. It just made me smile. I, it, was, it was such a blessing. Y'all did awesome. And uh, praise God. Thank y'all, ELT. Uh, our executive leadership team, they do a great, great job, and so thank you. Um, but have you ever felt like your life is just in a famine, or maybe your finances are in a famine? And uh, I know I've been there before in multiple areas in my life. And you, you want to know what to do. What does God think about those times? You know, and I want you to see this here. Let, let's look at this. Uh, Mark 11 and verse 12, it says, On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. And seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to it, if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Not the season. Like famine. Like winter. Like, you know, just lack, a lack season. It was not the season. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Then he went to the uh, temple. And then if you'll drop down to verse uh, 19. When evening came, they would go out of the city. And verse 20, As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered, up from, withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they'll be granted you. And what, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is, heaven, who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. Now, when he says have faith in God, it literally means in the original language, it means have the God kind of faith. Did you know that you can have the God kind of faith? Yeah. Well, now you do because yeah. He told you to have it, yeah. right? And if you, He told you to have it, can't you have it? Yeah. Yeah. Say, tell your neighbor, say, I can have the God kind of faith. 
I got the God kind of faith. Yeah, tell them about it. Amen, sister, I heard you. He didn't amen loud enough. Glory to God. <laughs> you better, amen, there you go. <laughs> He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> you can have the God kind of faith, right? Well, if you got the God kind of faith, what can you do? Wow, that's a big question. But he said you can have it because he told you you should operate in it. Have the God kind of faith. If I got the God kind of faith, what can I do? Does it matter what season it is? Does it matter if it's drought or famine? Does it matter if it's winter or lack? No. No. What matters is do you have and are you applying the God kind of faith? Are you applying the God kind of faith? How many people have felt at some point here in the last little bit that you've been in a drought in some area of your life? I've, I've felt that. How many people would just like to see in your finances, well, I could use some overflow. I can use some overflow and some abundance. I can, I'm out of debt. You know, one of the things the word says is it says, I believed and therefore I spoke. I believed and therefore I spoke. Over in Romans chapter 4, it gives us an idea about what happened with Abraham. Here he he is, 100, Sarah's 99. They're having babies. They're having babies at 199. (laughs) All the ladies are like, "Mm, mm, mm." y'all know why she laughed now. (laughs) They're having babies. They're having babies. At 199. Well, first of all, you know that's not even possible. But with God, all things are possible. It had been their dream to have them. Can you imagine going 100 years having a dream like Barrett was talking about? And then all of a sudden, it comes to pass. Glory to God. She had a dream. They had a dream to have a child. And so here it was. They were in a barren season. But what does it tell us? It tells us that God said, I want you to now call yourself Abraham. Not not just Abram, but Abraham meant the father of many nations. And it says in Romans 4, let's just turn there. Romans 4. I really hope that's the right place. Verse 17, it says, A father of many nations I have made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead. And here's where the God kind of faith, this is the God kind of faith laid out. He told Abraham what to do, and maybe Abraham realized it, maybe he didn't. But what Abraham did, when he started calling himself Abraham, Abraham meant a father of many nations. And at that moment, he didn't even have one promised son, right? He didn't have it. He didn't have what God had promised him yet. And yet he said, you are the father of many nations. Abraham started operating in the God kind of faith. And while they were in barren and drought, all of a sudden the God kind of faith opened up the womb and made them fruitful again. They made It made him where the seeds that he planted came up, whether the drought 
existed or not, whether the famine was there or not, all things are possible with God. He said, look, put on my kind of faith. Start calling those things that be not as though they were. Start calling those things into being. I believed and therefore I spoke. When Abraham believed, God counted it to him as righteousness and he is now the father of faith. He's the father of our faith. And so you see that one of the things that needs to happen when we turn around our situation in a famine is we need to start speaking towards that thing. We need to start confessing what we believe. But we need to also know, also know that there is a blessing on the people of God. There's a favor on you. Say, turn to your neighbor say there's favor on me say there's blessing on you Amen. The favor of God and the blessing of God is on you. Matter of fact, over in Galatians 3, it says that we are blessed when we come to know Christ. We are blessed with faithful Abraham. We are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, uh, some of y'all might be like, I don't want to be blessed with another kid. So you don't have to believe for that part. But if you are believing for that part, you can have that too. Amen. And so the Lord won't you blessed and you are already blessed and full of favor. See, if you don't know that, then are you ever going to be like, I'm blessed and I'm full of favor. You're not going to be saying it. You're not going to be receiving it. You're not going to be believing it. And you're not walking in the God kind of faith and you're not going to have it. I've often asked myself this question with Jesus here uh, because I didn't really like that he cursed the fig tree. And then praise God, you know, uh, I got around a person that God uh, told me to get around and Pastor Tracy. And he said, God, I didn't curse that tree. I'm like, well, the Bible says you curse that tree. And uh, no, that's what men wrote at the top of the paragraph that says he cursed the tree. And that's what Peter said he did to the tree. But Jesus never said he actually did that. And what that opened up my eyes when I was listening to that teaching was this. It opened up my eyes that the curse was already in operation in that tree. That tree was already cursed. That tree was already under the curse all the way back in Genesis. What happened was Jesus came along and said, you will not release any of that curse into the world anymore. The curse was already present. He brought an end to the curse. Tree, either produce or remove yourself. That's what he gave. Produce or remove yourself. And so I had a problem with Jesus up till the point where that became revelation. But I started to look at it from a different point. So let's look at Genesis uh, chapter 1. Barrett came up here and set the marks and now I got to preach. I was just going to be like easy on y'all. But now I got to preach because I, you know, she set the mark. So... You look at this and look here in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, there's a principle in establishing doctrine and seeing what God thinks about a matter. 
by looking at the law of first mention. Like how did the Lord talk about things the first time he talked about them? What were they designed to do? Things like that. So when you look in the garden, what do you see in God's perfect will when he set the garden in order and he set it off? He set it to going. What did you see in the garden? What you see in the garden is that in that garden, you see that everything that God designed was designed to produce. Everything was designed to produce. There was nothing in the garden that wasn't designed to produce. Look at this. Uh, look in uh, verse 11. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit. L listen to that, just that simple piece. Let them be on the earth bearing fruit. Do you realize from that moment they were commanded by God to bear fruit? To bear fruit. Do you see anything in there? And I'm just looking now. Do you see anything in there that says anything about a season? No, it just says bear fruit. Do you know what that tree is designed to do? Until God gives that tree to another authority, that tree is designed to do only what God told it to do, bear fruit. And from that moment forward until it's passed to another authority, that tree was just bearing fruit, 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 fruit. No season, not the season, is the season. No, 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 no. Just bearing fruit. That tree's bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. There was no season. He said, I want this tree to bear fruit. Now, what was it to bear fruit? Hey, man. What was it to bear fruit? Bear fruit, look at what it says, to bear fruit after its kind. Bearing fruit after its kind with seed in them, and it was so. Then the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. So the earth brought forth vegetation and plants yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. In other words, they were to bear fruit, 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 seed, fruit, seed, fruit, seed, fruit. That's how they were designed. There was nothing that was designed that was not designed to produce. Everything was designed to produce. A lack of production would be a symptom of the curse. A lack of production would be a symptom of the curse. Now, was it that God wants people to walk in the curse? No, he wants them to walk in the blessing. But if you don't know that the original design was to bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, then we'll take a season and we'll get mad at Jesus because it wasn't the season for figs. But when we know the original design, now we'll see that and say, uh, uh, that can't stand. That can't stand. And so you look at here, look, everything that he brings up, everything produces after its kind. Look at verse 21. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind. 
And every wing, they swarmed because they produced. And every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 22, God blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. Doesn't say anything about season. Fruitful and multiply. Fruitful and multiply. Evening, morning, fifth day, God said, let the earth bring forth, verse 24, bring forth living creatures. What? After their kind. Cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. 25. And the beast, and God made the beast of the earth after their kind. And the cattle after their kind. And everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And then God said, and let us make man in our image. What's he saying? After your kind. You're not like the kind of the field. Like we were talking about in impact the other day. He says, let us make man, let us make man. Way after he finished, let us make the beast. You are not in the animal kingdom. You're not in that class. You are in the God class made after his kind. And you are designed to produce the same way he produces and bear fruit. And how do you do it? Using the God kind of faith. That I have the God kind of faith and I can use the God kind of faith and I use it the same way he did. And I saw and I spoke out the things that I believed. When I saw them, I start speaking the things that I believe. And what are the things that we believe? We're the things that God has told us by the Holy Ghost, either through the word or by giving to us directly. And when we speak what he said, those things have to come into being. This is who you are. You're designed to produce fruit. Just like that tree was designed to produce fruit. So now when you start to see, think about this, famine and lack and drought. Oh no, that's the curse. That is not our place. And even if I find myself, now listen, the Lord may send me to a wilderness, but you got to understand he's not sending me to a wilderness to partake of the wilderness. He's not sending me to a famine to partake of the famine. He's sending me into a drought place and a wilderness to turn that thing around and bring the fruit of God into that place. Life and life in abundance because I'm designed to take the same thing that God saw where there was in the beginning the earth was void and without form. It The word originally means chaos and my job is to come in there as a child of God and start to turn it to the place where it has form and it starts to produce again. That's who you are. That's who you are. And when you get that inside of you, you'll start to see famine and lack and drought as your enemy because it's an enemy of God. It's operating in the curse. It's got no right to stay around you. It's got no right to stay around you because you are made after your kind. And so we start to move into places where there might be famine or drought and we start to speak the things of God. There's a multitude There's a multitude of fruit in our house. There's a multitude of fruit in my account. There's a multitude of health in my body. Uh, We are not uh, sick 
and in lack and barren people. We are fruitful people made after our kind in the image of God, in his likeness. That's who we are and that's what we're made after. And we will not be held back by what the world says is normal, but we will move into what God says is normal and we will see the fruitfulness of God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Now we'll look at this word, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. This is the word that Pastor Tracy read this morning to us. And I want to read it to you in the New American first and then we'll read that one verse in the Amplified. And I want you to see, you were designed to produce fruit wherever you go. We should start believing that people may be operating and living in lack around us, but when they start coming into our presence, not because I'm something special or you're something special, but when they start to come around us, all of a sudden that lack and famine and drought starts to melt away in our presence. Why? Because we're producing fruit after our kind. Brother Hagen used to believe, I remember one story in particular, a guy was having health problems. I think it was blood pressure or something. He said, guy was having blood pressure problems and uh, he, that came up in conversation and, and he told the guy, he said, well, that will not happen while you're with me. And they were together for a whole week of meetings. He said, during that whole time, that guy didn't have one blood pressure problem the whole time. And uh, whatever the issue was, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, huh? Didn't have to take any insulin. He said, you won't have a problem with that. And he said, while Brother Hagen was there, he, he had no problem. He ate whatever he wanted to eat. But when he went away, it came, it came back on him. Now, the guy didn't have to receive it back. But he didn't have the revelation that Brother Hagen had. A lot of times, we're walking through stuff because we don't have the revelation. It says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are in captivity for a lack of understanding. He didn't have the understanding and the knowledge that Brother Hagen had. And so even though he saw manifestation while he was in his presence, as soon as Brother Hagen leaves, he could have just kept the healing. But he didn't know it. I'm telling you today so that you will know it, so that you won't have question. Famine, lack, drought, it is not of God. That is not right. And when Jesus came by that tree, he said, look, you were created in the original plan to produce fruit. I don't care what season it is. I love what Brother David Hogan said. He said, who are you, tree, that to say to the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, the Lord of lords that I don't have fruit when the king comes walking by. Who are we to say that we're not going to be a fruitful people when the king comes walking by? Well, the world just didn't like us. Who cares? We got something bigger inside of us than is in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You were designed to produce. You were designed to produce. And then you look at this, Jeremiah 1.4. Now, I want you to see this as you. I want you to see this as God talking to you. I want you to see this and, and take it personal. You know, are all of you called to be ministers in the gospel or a prophet like Jeremiah was? No, 
But listen, there's something in here where you can pull it out and say, he's talking to me. And so now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. It goes along with what Barrett was saying. Before you were even formed in the womb, God had a dream for you. He had a plan. He had a harvest. He had a fruitfulness for you. He had something laid out for you. And the question is, are you going to give yourself to him with the God kind of faith to see it come through? He had positions of great favor and blessing poured out for you before you were even in the womb. He had great plans for you to give you to give you his blessing, to give you a future and a hope. He had great plans before before you were even formed in the womb. Before your parents even met. He had a great plan for you. He said, I've got a dream. I've got a vision. And so take this. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth. In other words, what he was saying is, Look, I I can't do it because of blank. Well, forget about the blank, right? Everybody's going to think I'm cussing if they just hear this one clip. Forget about the blank, right? Forget about what would hold you back. Forget about what would be your excuse. Forget about the season and just know that God's called you to fruitfulness. He's got a plan and he's called you to that place. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. Don't say to me, I'm a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. This is the key. You just hear from God and be obedient. It's not that you might not. You may have a time where the Lord is bringing up a foundation. You may have a time where God is training you and showing you some things. All of us have had that. But don't just say, because I'm in that, I can't be fruitful. Understand that in all of our foundation years in Boomerang, where God was showing us who we were and what we are to be, we had fruit the whole time. We had fruit beyond what most of the people around us had. We had more souls won, more people baptized in the Holy Ghost, more miracles. Just because we were in foundation didn't mean we didn't have fruit. So don't don't give up on fruit until you get perfect. You'll never have fruit. You'll never have it. He says, look, don't say to me that I'm young. Who cares? Have fruit. You're designed to have fruit. Then he goes on He says, look, whatever I tell you to do or whatever I tell you to say, do that. That's the key. Hear from God and be obedient. Hear from God and be obedient. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I'm telling you, you need a touch from God. You do need a touch from God. You need a touch from the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. You need a touch. You need to hear what the Lord is telling you. I had a conversation earlier this week and I was talking to another pastor and I said, Pastor, I said, how many, now listen to this, this is going to be very important. I was thinking about this earlier while, while Barrett was ministering. 
Do you know how many times in our history that we've had an important meeting coming up and in front of those meetings, it's like the wheels fell off the ministry and especially fell off people. You know how many times that's happened? Almost every one. We're heading up to a big meeting. I mean, the people are pumped up. Everything's going. And like one month in front of the meeting, it's like everybody goes freaking nuts. Yep. <coughs> it's true. Why? I mean, it's kind of funny to say it like that, but I'm only saying it to take away the pain of the reality of it. Yeah. Why? Because what happens is the devil knows in that meeting... They're going to hear the word of the Lord. And if they'll hear the word of the Lord and do what he says, they'll be able to do things and produce a fruit that nobody else can do. So he tries to get them distracted and off target so that when the meeting comes that they're actually here, supposed to hear the word of the Lord. They're only there a sprinkling of the nights. They are half paying attention. They're mad because they got to go to church and they can't just go home and watch reruns of Dallas. They had a new one come on or something. I saw it, yeah. I mean, I could make it more up to, up to speed, but that's how much it's worth. Old reruns of an old soap opera that have zero life in them. They did kill JR, and that's got me jaded. But anyway, now see, I'm dating myself now. <laughs> you know. You know it's good. I was, I wanted to, I was checking good. I was, I was wondering. I was wondering. Barrett says, I know what it is. Glory to God. Listen, I was talking with, I was talking with a pastor this week and, and I said, pastor, I said, how many week long meetings do you go to? And he's like, or is it just kind of onesie, twosie? I'll go to one night here, one night there and everything. And, uh, you know, and they answered and I said, here's why I'm asking that. Because there's something that happens when you give yourself continuously in a short period of time, a dedicated period of time to the Lord, where all of a sudden it's like the first night in a week-long meeting. The first night, uh, what happens is uh, you, you're sitting there and you're still thinking about all the garbage and the stuff of the world. But then the Word hits you and it has, it has an effect in you. And then the next night, the second night, it's like you're still kind of wrapped up in the stuff of the world, but it's not as much as it was that first night. And then the third night, it's like that falls off. And it's like you and God. And like the fourth night and the fifth night, the Lord can just speak straight into your spirit. See, that's what the devil's after. He's after the seed of the word. And that's why he'll get you so wrapped up in all the worldly things, but not the very stinking thing that you need. Not stinking though, it's a good thing. <laughs> It stinks with a good aroma. <laughs> the very thing you need. The word preached. How does faith come? Go back into Romans. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by in the context of the passage. The word preached. You need to be under the word preached. Preached. Not you reading at home. That's good. It's awesome. You can't have everything you're supposed to have without that. But you also need the word preached to you. And that's how faith comes. 
The context is the word preach. And that's why all of a sudden, how many, how many uh, percentage-wise of all the meetings we've had over the years, how many have the wheels fallen off right before the meeting or right in the middle of it with people? Percentage. Uh, 90 to 100% of the time. I can't tell you. And, and this is so important. Now listen. I'll walk out. I'll walk out in the beginning of a meeting. And I'll go. And I, my thoughts are like, my gosh, this is embarrassing. This is just embarrassing. Because two weeks ago, the place was full. And I walk out and there's a sprinkling. Why? Because the devil has come in. He's, he's already tried to cherry pick the seed before the seed was even delivered. Because he's after, remember in the parable of the sower, it says the devil immediately comes to steal, steal the seed of the word. And so, it, but if God can find himself a people, if he can find himself a people that will esteem the things of the Lord and the word gets preached in an anointing and fire like it's going to be in a couple of weeks with kickstart. I'm telling you, the Lord has lined up something big. And But people say, the wheels ain't falling off of me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there with bells on. And I'm going to give my all to the Lord. I, I've, I've prepared my heart. I've prepared an offering already. I thought ahead of time, we're going to need an offering. You know, I've already been thinking... Lord, I need to set some aside so that I can sow in that anointing at Kickstart. I'm setting it aside. We've already been doing that. Why? Because we're preparing our hearts to receive the seed of the word. And if I can hear from the Lord what he wants me to do, then I can do what other men can't do. But there's not many people doing that because they, they have all the cares of the world. Look. Look at, oh man. If I go here, I'm likely to lose what I said about beating Barrett. Just read. This is Mark 4, verse 13. Mark 4, 13. So he's already talked about the parable of the sower. Some seed fell beside the road. Birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on the rocky ground, did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang, sprang up because it had no depth of soil. But after the sun had risen, it was scorched, had no, it, no root. It withered away. Some some seed fell among thorns, thorns came up and choked it, it yielded no crop. And other seed fell on the good soil, and they grew up and increased, yielded a crop, produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. See, it produced a crop because the soil was good. Right. See, just because you're in a famine doesn't mean that your soil is bad. Right. Your heart determines your soil, and in the middle of a famine, you can still have a crop. Yep. Yeah. That's it's got to do with your heart. So see, you can bring your heart into the middle of a drought, into the middle of a lack, into the middle of a famine. You can bring a heart whose heart is given to the Lord and the seed can fall on your heart and it will produce right in the middle of that drought season, right in the middle of that famine. Look at right here. That's good stuff. Fresh off of the throne room. 
Verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. How can, how can you be a receiver of fruit if you don't receive the seed? And when you know that the seed is the word, you've got to be sitting under the word to receive a harvest. You have to be sitting under the word to receive a harvest. And then he says this, These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. In other words, they're amening. They like it. They like it. But they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. And these are the ones, now listen to this part. This is where I believe most of the church falls into. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world or the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, they're so wrapped up in what they want that the deceitfulness of riches, like I'm, I'm building towards my dream house and I've got to go work. I'm, I'm going to burn myself out so I'll never get to enjoy my dream house when I get there. But I'm going to go make it happen and they miss the word that would get them the dream house. Because they don't know the word and they're focused on the wrong thing. This is the truth. You can't, you're not going to turn this another way and say, oh, well, God's got a different system for me. No, this is his system. For this world, in this time, you're not going to change it. Many men have tried to change it. It doesn't work. This is his system. They, they'll say, I'm building a retirement. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. The problem is they got a whole lot of I in there, and they don't have a whole lot of the Lord. And what happens is that cares of the world rise up and choke and completely choke out all of the fruit. But then let's see uh, the good one. And verse 20, and those were the ones who, uh, boom, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold. We've got to get under the word. I'm telling you, leading up to kickstart this year, you want to get your heart. You should start getting your heart in preparation. Man, this is going to be some more conference. Why? Because Pastor Brian's preaching? Because Ted Jr.'s preaching? No, because God said to have the meeting. Because God said to kick this year off right. God said to do it. Oh, wait, God said it. And see, that ought to change the way. And just to let you know, we don't have meetings here if God didn't say to do it. I don't just pull people in just to have a meeting. I need to hear from the Lord on who he wants, what he wants. I'm not just trying to fill slots, right? That's not the way it works. God says to have a meeting, then we have a meeting. And so when we have this meeting, you know, we started Kickstart last year. We, we sought to be obedient to what the Lord told us to do. In that, man, praise God, you guys came along that week. It was awesome. Now a part of our family, just one of the greatest things. And to me, that was one of the biggest parts of Kickstart was you guys. 
you guys, the Collins family, blesses me. When I see your face, it blesses me. If the whole week and all the work that went into it just brought you guys about, we won big time. Amen. I mean, we won big time. Why? Because they're our family. We gained a family member. So there was other stuff that happened, but that alone wasn't, was worth it. If that's what the Lord wanted to do was bring that about, I believe that's part of what he wanted to do. I think that's what he was up to is that week. Well, this week, this kick starts a little bit different. He gave us a little bit different direction. Last time it was more outreach focused. This, this time it's more focused on the body of Christ to kickstart so that you will have a year of fruitfulness in a winter season. You will have a year of fruitfulness in a famine. When all the world is looking at how dark it is, you will start to glow with the glory of God. And in the middle of a dark world, World, you will shine like the sun. That's what it's about. Kicks it off in this way. Well, what does that mean? That means that you're walking in fullness of health. That means that you're walking in fullness of finances. The abundance is overflowing in your life. That means that God is overflowing and bringing an abundance in every area of your life. But you've got to hear from the Lord. You want to have, it's getting ready to talk about having a winter harvest like Pastor Tracy talked about. If you want to have a winter harvest, you got to do it God's way. And the first thing he says is, get all your excuses out of the way and hear what I say and do what I say and get yourself a touch from God. You need a touch from God. Now I'm telling you, not every church has a touch from God every Sunday morning, but you can have one in this church because we don't have services that don't open up and hold out a hand and a touch from the Lord. If you didn't get a touch from the Lord, it's generally on you. Because that's what we're running here. We're not running. I, I loved what you posted. What was it? R.W. Shambach said, uh, what was it? He said, I don't go to church to be entertained. I go for an encounter with God. You've got an encounter with God here every Sunday, every service that we have. And if you don't have an encounter, it's probably you. And I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just saying that that's what we're bringing to this place. You can have an encounter if you want to have an encounter. Every church can't say that. But especially when a church like that says, man, we're going to have something special going on. Then we need to say, ooh, I'm about to get a touch from God. And look, you don't just have to have one touch per year. You can have multiple, you know, you can have a touch from God Sunday morning, Sunday night and kickstart, Monday night and kickstart, Tuesday night, and would you believe it? Even Wednesday night, Thursday and Friday, you can get a touch every night. You can have a couple of touches per night. Amen. There's no law against that. So let's just get one. But you got to be here. And you got to be have the soil that's primed and ready to receive the seed of the word. He says, he says right here, don't, don't put your excuses in front of me. Don't even say that. Do what I tell you to do. Say what I tell you to say. And then he says, I'm touching you. You got to get a touch from the Lord. Then he says this, for I am, I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And now watch this. 
Now, a touch from the Lord is a lot of times, see, here's what we want. Let me, let me paint two pictures. This, this is good teaching if you grab a hold of this tonight. And I, I imagine you go back, you listen to this again, you're going to hear stuff you didn't hear the first time. This is one that you should play back again. I want you to hear this. You go, and he says, a lot of times, I'm going to paint two pictures. Picture one, I'm going to go get a touch from the Lord. I'm going to go get a touch from the Lord. I go, I go I'm in a meeting, I'm in kickstart in a couple weeks. Glory to God, I got a touch. You're running around the room, you're jumping chairs like Paul, and uh, you pasted to the floor like Jade, and uh, you know, they just need help, that Stalin's family. But glory to God, they got a touch from God. Man, I thought for sure you were going through one of those stained glass windows, and I was like, that was the hand of the Lord that kept you out of that. Man, that's, that's my kind of service there, man. That was fun. That was fun. If you didn't, if you weren't here, uh, Paul got touched. He went sprinting and there were bodies everywhere. Bodies everywhere. Matter of fact, I'm like, somebody's going to get stepped on. They're going to get squished. And Paul's a big guy. And all of a sudden I see him and he's running over here and he leaps, whoo, like this. And he's like up over this, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, he's going through the window. If God don't stop him, he's going through the window. Meanwhile, Jade's over on the floor like, hey, hey. <laughs> Red and yeah, but it was awesome, wasn't it? Y'all got a touch. Picture one. I got a touch from God. Everything's gonna be awesome from this day. Everything is awesome. No, yeah, and and everybody's good, and you think everything's just gonna work magically. Magically, it's all just gonna work. It's all just going to work. Glory to God. How, tell me right now, tell me what it, how much, what do you need on your car? What do you, uh, the battery. Battery, tire, and the tag. Add all that up real quick. Around 175. 175. All right. That's not enough. Uh, I'm believing the Lord for $250 before you walk out of this place because the Lord told me to deal with it. And if you don't have it in your pocket before you leave, you come see me, okay? The Lord wants that thing fixed and He wants it whole and He wants it this week. And uh, He told me that right when we talked about it the other day to do something about that. So glory to God. Amen. 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 $250. We believe now that'll cover everything? Okay. Glory to God. All right. So uh, picture number one. Everybody thinks that everything's just going to be magical. It's just going to be magical, right? I got a touch from God. Now everything's going to work. And then all of a sudden we go home and it don't work. Everything ain't magical. I know I got a touch from God. What happened? What happened? I know I got a touch from God. And then they get discouraged. Because I got a touch from God, but everything isn't what I thought it was going to be. Let me show you something. Jeremiah got a touch from God too. I know what you're thinking. You and Deb. Oh, I want to sing it so bad. 
It's a story about a funeral home story from Stephen about he touched me. You'll have to ask him sometime. He touched me. Jeremiah had a touch from the Lord too. So now Deb's going to have to tell the story, but we're not going to tell it on the air. He says, Behold, the Lord stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth and the Lord said to me. Now here's picture number two. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Glory to God. He touched me. He put his words in my mouth. He set me above the kingdoms. Glory to God. And now everything sounds right up until this point. But read on. To pluck up, to break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. See, most people just want to get to the building and the planting because that's pretty. But they don't realize you got to tear up those old rotten foundations before you can plant and it be fruitful. We're supposed to be fruitful, but you got to deal with the stuff in your life first. If you want you, the touch of God is not there to make it magical. The touch of God is to empower you to pull down the strongholds, to break up, to throw over. The touch of God is to empower you with the grace of God to tell my flesh no, to walk in the things of God and then when you got those things covered and fixed in your life then you can build and plant and then you'll see the fruitfulness the way it's supposed to be but the touch of God is there to give you vision and to empower you to see it through I'm telling you you're sitting in the middle of a vision of God called Boomerang Church but I'm also telling you that plucking up pulling down destroying and overthrowing had some parts in it my flesh didn't like had some parts in it Nicole's flesh didn't like but when you understand that it doesn't matter how my flesh likes it and it doesn't matter what I see we've got a word from the Lord and we've got a touch from God and we will not be denied come hell or high water we will not be denied but we will see the things of God come in and then all of a sudden what do you get out of that when you decide to allow the touch of God to empower you to be who God's called you to be now see and and We've talked some about this ever since that meeting too. There's something that changed. And here's what the Lord's told me. The Lord's told me to challenge you, specifically Paul has spoken more personally to you, to, but both of you because it involves both of you, to challenge you to put down some of the old things and cares of the flesh so that you could pick up and do some of the things of the vision of God. And what happened when you did that? When you said, okay, I'm going to put God's house in front of mine. It wasn't like he touched me, now it's magical. It's he touched me, now i got to clean up some stuff. I, and it wasn't like horrible bad stuff. It was just, I'm going to take what I thought was mine and I'm going to give it to the Lord. And then all of a sudden the blessing of God started pouring out. Is that right? That's the way that it works. The touch is there to help empower you to clean up the foundations so that the building and planting will now be. And you can then build and plant and be fruitful in a winter season and not just when it's summertime. 
Not just when everybody else is doing good. You can have good all year round because there's no seasons to God's fruitfulness. There's no seasons to God's goodness. There's no seasons to God. His, he's got one season. Good. Blessing. I love you. He's got one season. And that's what he thinks about you. One season. Amen. Oh, he's a good God. He's got one season. And then he says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Now turn to that same thing in the Amplified. Glory to God. Verse, verse 11 and 12 in the Amplified. Verse 11, it says this, moreover. Now, all right, you have... It's told all of your limitations. You be quiet. Don't say I'm limited. Right. Don't say I'm a youth. Right. Don't say that. You say what I tell you to say. You do what I tell you to say. Get yourself a touch from the Lord. And then you allow that touch to start cleaning up the bad roots, the bad foundations, to pluck up, throw down, overthrow and destroy all of the rotten roots inside of me, the things that are not of God, the things that are not of God in a ministry or in a town or in a city, in my home. I'm going to allow the touch to help me clean house, right? Help me clean house. And then when I allow that, to, then I will build and plant and then I will see. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see a branch or a shoot of an almond tree. The emblem of alertness and activity blossoming, blossoming in late winter, in a winter harvest, blossoming in the famine, blossoming in the drought. Is this the will of God? Can this be? And look at verse 12. He says this. Listen, when you will apply these things, you will blossom. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Watching over the touch that I put on your life to bring it to pass. Watching over the word that I gave to you to bring that thing into manifestation. Now, see, when we'll get obedient to that, we start making God responsible for bringing it to pass. If we'll do what that touch empowered us to do, now the word of the Lord, he'll bring it to pass himself. He said, I'm alert. He said, I'm active and I'm bringing it to pass. I'm per I will perform my word. How many people qualify for that? Not a whole lot. They won't get under the word. They won't get a touch from God. They won't honor and esteem him and get into the place where life is. They never hear the word of the Lord to perform it. And then when they are touched by God, they won't use it to clean up their life. They just use it to try and move right into the blessings. And those blessings will wilt because the foundations that weren't cleaned up right. are still rotten. Right. Who does good preaching and good teaching. Now, is this the way of God? Is this the way of God? Let's go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26 and verse 1. 
Thank you, Lord, for this message. Father, I just praise you right now. Thank you for this message. Lord, you're pulling it up by the Holy Ghost. You're pulling it up by the Holy Ghost in ways that I've never seen it. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for performing your word. Thank you for the touch of God. Genesis 26, 1. Now, listen to this. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all of these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham, and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, so Isaac lived in Gerar. So Isaac was there, and he went to Gerar. There was a famine in this land. There's a famine going on. Now, what they used to do is they'd say, well, I'm going down. I'm going to Egypt. I'm going to Egypt. I'm going to go down here. And, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. You stay right here. We've got to hear from the word. doesn't matter. What did the surroundings look like? Famine. Did it look hopeful? Did it look? No, it looked like famine around them. Right. But he said, stay here. I want you to stay here. And so then you go on and let's look down here and... Look in verse 12. Verse 12. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household so that the Philistines envied him. He sowed in the land of famine and he received a hundredfold. He received the fullness. It didn't matter that the season, it didn't matter that the season was the winter. It didn't matter that it wasn't the season for fruitfulness. It didn't matter that there was famine. It didn't matter that there was drought. What mattered was, did, were you touched by God? Are you God's blessed people? Have you heard a word and are you obedient to it? And when you move in that place, all of a sudden, and God says, there's no season in me but good. And you plant yourself, you plant the seed of that word into the fertile soil of a faithful heart and you start moving in God's ways, confessing the things of God. And what you start to see is you start to see the fruitfulness of God and the blessing inside of you by Him start to rise up even in the midst of famine. The glory of God will start to rise on you and you will become a witness and a testimony to the things of God. So much so, look at the next few verses. He says here, he became very rich. He became rich, continued to grow richer. He was rich. He continued to go, grow richer until he became very wealthy. And then he says, now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the day of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. And then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are too powerful for us. 
You're too powerful. You're too strong. Even a famine's not stopping you. Why? Because the blessing of God is on you and you took the touch of God, the commandments of God, and you put them to work where He told you to do. You were obedient in that place and in that place of obedience, the power of God could go to work because God only has one season and that's good and faithfulness to His people. So next time you feel you're in a famine, you got to start speaking to that thing. you got to start doing the things of God. You need to get you a word and you need to get you a touch from God. And you need to make sure that you are being obedient and using those things for what they are. A touch from God doesn't make it magical. It empowers you to say, I will do what the Lord's told me to do. I will clean, clean up anything that I need to clean up. And I'll be obedient where I need to be obedient. I'll put His house as first house in my life. I'll put, put his house and his things first in my life. And then the Lord says this, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. That didn't say it'll all be added in summertime. It said all of them will be added to you. There was no season to it because there was only one season in the blessing of God. And that's to call you blessed. Whether, while famine is all around you, drought is around you, barrenness is all around you, you are called to step into the places of fruitfulness. I may have gone through famine and drought before, but now it gets on my nerves to be around it. It can't stay in our lives because I know that that is illegal. It's not supposed to be there. I'm going to start standing up in faith and applying the faith of God and see me and my family pull right up out of that fam famine and pull right up out of that drought, to pull right up out of that quote unquote season and we will have the blessing and the glory of God. We will be a testimony, not because we're so great, but because he's so great and he's so faithful. Now, if that's you right now and you're saying, I'm stepping out of that tonight, I'm stepping out of that, I want a touch from God, I want a word from God, and I'm giving myself to that, I want you to come up now and I want to quickly pray for anybody. Lord, I'm stepping out of that famine. I will not be the same. I will not be the same. I will not be the same. Ho, ho, re, me, Yep. Lord, uh, thank you, Father. If there's anybody that's watching on live stream or watching this archived replay and you're saying, I want to step out of my famine, you just make sure. Go to boomerangchurch.org. Send us a note on the contact page so we can get in touch with you and pray with you. Amen. Lord, thank you, Father, for breaking loose every famine in Jesus' name, for breaking loose. And when I lay hands on you, I don't want you to wait around. I don't want you waiting around to receive entrance out of the famine. I want you right then. That famine is broke. When I lay hands on you, that famine time, that famine season is no longer a part of your identity anymore. I'm not in a famine. I'm in the blessed season of God. And it will never end because I'll be obedient to Him. I will put myself down and put Him up in Jesus' name. When I lay hands on you, you received that famine broke then in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Bring your anointing, Lord. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name. Glory.